This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Journey Within podcast. Well, we've got a familiar voice on again today. That's Joey Cheek from Salt River Outfitters. Um, Joey runs Salt River Outfitters and actually has an exciting project going on in uh, Central Kentucky for Bob White Quail called Stonewall Plantation. Um, exciting new project that just got up and going here over the last couple of months. And we're going to talk about that, the house that you stay at for that one, uh, what the hunts look like and so forth. How are you doing today, Joey? I'm doing great. How about you? I'm doing good. What's the weather like down there? A little rainy. But not too bad, just just a little. Just a little. Haven't hit any ice yet, have you? Nah, we had some snow last week. We probably ended up with over two snowfalls. We probably ended up with around three and a half, four inches. So we were covered up for a few days. So when it snows, did the schools shutter down there? Oh man, we're not like Michigan. We're in in Kentucky. If it snows a half inch, it shuts the world down. So, <laughs> so yes, yes, our our students got some time off last week. There you go. There you go. We're in. Uh, we were finally starting to thaw up here, and I'm glancing outside, and it's uh, it's raining on top of snow. So when this freezes later tonight, it's going to be a fun drive just about anywhere you go. Yeah, absolutely. Gotta gotta love the winter. So before we uh, before we dig into Stonewall Plantation, um, let's talk about kind of the the year end recap at at Salt River. How how did the the year end up? Start from right right from Velvet, work through the seasons. How everything went. So our seasons were basically pretty spot on for the, from the past several years. Our We ran about 120 hunters killed in the mid-80s, big bucks. So our, our kill percentage in the truck, dead deer, is floating around 65 to 67% for about the last three years, which is, is in my eyes, is pretty phenomenal. We, uh, we killed uh, two gross 170 inch deer over 170 inch deer this year multiple 160s 150s 140s you know it was, it was just another great year at salt river 
outed and and weather throughout the whole season kind of was normal. Nothing out of nothing out of whack. Well, the only thing I'll say that I think was out of whack is we had end of October. It was almost like a you know the rut. Everybody thinks about the rut being cold and the deer chasing and all that. Well, our our best week actually was not our normal best week. We had a cold front come through and it got really cold right at the end of October. Usually second week of November is when our rut will really kick in right in our rifle season. It kicked in pretty strong there, right? Right around Halloween this year, we had the temperatures getting down into the mid twenties at night. We were taking hunters out in the morning, you know, it's high twenties and, and that week, I think we run 10 hunters that week and we were like uh, eight for 10 that week, which was, was crazy. We killed some really nice deer and typically that's just a, it's a, always a good week, but not that good. Yeah. So I was pretty surprised there. And then late season, uh, everything finished up. Obviously rifle season went good. That late muzzle loader. Season. Yeah. Rifle season was what rifle season is. Mm-hmm. You know, when you, when you're hunting with a rifle, you know, the, the weather naturally does play, but there's so many other people hunting around and it, the deer just move. So we had our typical Salt River rifle season, killed some really nice deer, killed a good high percentage of numbers for our hunters. I think we, I think we were, we were stayed right around that 65% kill rate that week. And then leading out a rifle, we, we went into our late muzzle odor, which actually you came down and saw us then, Yep. but it was, uh, it was another successful, we had some good weather that week. It was cool. Um, and I think we were, we were pretty successful numbers wise. I think only, uh, I want to say looking back, we had maybe one or two people that didn't kill for the week, okay. but other than that, we, we, we finished strong. That's great. Yeah, I, I was down there for anybody listening. I went down for the late muzzleloader season. Um, this year, I actually shot a good eight point on the first day of late muzzleloader and then shot a, a, a big 10 point on the last day of late muzzleloader. I had the conservation tag again this year, which allowed me to hunt hunt two different deer. And I'll say, I'll say it again, Kentucky does a great job of setting up different seasons throughout the year they they start early with the velvet season they've got a great early muzzleloader season which i think this coming year i'll, I'll get down for that early muzzleloader season um long archery season uh good rifle season that late muzzleloader it just i mean they manage it and make it do everything they can for the hunter's success we really don't have that october lull everyone talks about i mean it's it's just almost non-existent here i we can always find some deer to shoot. So yep. it's, it's, it's pretty good throughout the whole season. Yep. So what's like, walk us through the spring, getting ready for, for next deer season. Like when, when will you start working on food plots and so forth like that? So we'll start, we will start working a little bit before Turkey season. We'll start working some plots. Um, we will actually here in the next few weeks, we'll start frost seeding some clovers on some existing plots that we have that are clover, we'll refresh them and let that seed just go into the ground with maybe the last snow or some, or some hard freezes, which we've been really successful with in the past. Leading up to turkey season, we will do some, some spring plots that, you know, good for the birds, good for the deer. And then we'll really, as soon as turkey season's over, we'll really get in hardcore with, with our, with our summer plots, you know, our forage beans, um, alfalfas and all that good stuff that, that the deer really love and need. So that keeps us busy. 
through the months of May and June, a little bit the beginning of July. Our our season now in Kentucky, they have kind of changed the baiting laws a little bit. And last this past season, we weren't able to start baiting till August 1st, where in the past we had been able to start June 1st. So we're trying to offset some of that time with more food plots to, to, to make sure that we, we can hold these deer throughout the summer leading up to velvet. Gotcha. And so, uh, did they already announce they're doing the later start again on, on when you can start feeding? I have not seen a start date yet. Usually that stuff will come out beginning of March after the commission meetings. They've got some, you know, there's some, unfortunately, Kentucky has been CWD free for so long and they found one case of it in the tip of Western Kentucky. So now that's a whole new battle as to how the, how the baiting laws are going to be. From what I'm hearing, the speculation is they will probably take a 30 mile radius of that county and, and, and ban baiting there, which it doesn't affect us because it's four hours away from us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that, that tip of the, that tip of the state is, uh, you know, there's Tennessee to the South, Missouri, Illinois, all right there together. And Tennessee had already had some CWD. So Kentucky had, had took measures to, to try to control that along the border there. And this, this county where they actually found it is actually just, just north of where the counties that were already. So, so I'm hoping it don't affect us. I, I know some people in the department and I've talked to them about it and that's what they feel like the measures are going to be. Okay. And it shouldn't really affect us. Okay. Yeah. CWD is a tricky one, right? It doesn't seem like anybody's, yeah, yeah, anybody's been able to stop anything with it. It just, just, no, and, and I think it just, just needs to be handled. Right. Yep. You know, Ohio, they've had it in Ohio and, and they didn't shut the state down to, to baiting, which, you know, is a good thing in my eyes, you know, it, for, for what we do as an outfitter, it would be a tough business to, to not be able to bait. Mm -hmm. I mean, we got to, it's, it's hard to hold that many deer to be consistent throughout the whole year and keep them on food plots. So we need extra little help yep. for sure. Yep. For sure. For sure. Turkey season's looking good this spring. Oh yeah, man. I think it's going to be phenomenal again. Um, you know, a lot of where a lot of states have, have, you know, bounced, starting to bounce back from, from the Turkey numbers, but a lot of them have went the other way where they really have went from two birds or three birds to one bird mm -hmm. that you're able to harvest. Well, Kentucky, we can still kill two. And although I see some of our properties where the population has declined, I see others where it's just increased and we've had ha good hatches the last two to three years. And I know last year we had a ton of jakes. So I'm, I'm thinking this year is going to be a good year. You know, Kentucky last year, the overall statewide harvest was their second best in history. So that tells me that wow. we're doing something right here, you know. So. Absolutely. Well, where I shot, yeah. uh, the first year during late muzzleloader season, um, actually where, where the Stonewall plantation hunts all, all go in right now, I think I saw, I don't know, 40 gobblers. They all came down that, that night and just stayed in the food plot. It seemed like forever. Yeah. They're all flocked up back there right now. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, that's good. All right. Well, let's talk Stonewall plantation. Um, going after, okay. going after Bob white quail, um, Give us a breakdown of what the what the hunt is. Let's talk hunt first, and we'll get into the lodging. Okay, so so our hunts basically basically the way they're going to work is our our hunters will arrive on Wednesday afternoon, start hunting on Thursday morning, 
you know what we'll what we'll do is we'll we'll have breakfast, have our pregame or you know pregame pre-hunt meetings, safety meetings, go over the talk, and we'll get out. We'll split up into groups. We're we it is our goal to try and keep two hunters to one dog handler mm-hmm. is our is our optimal goal. Obviously, sometimes we'll have groups that want to hunt together, so it, we'll we'll try to do that. But we really would never want to get above four. It just it's just too many. We mm-hmm. we hunted a group of four uh, two weeks ago, and it, it worked really well. There were four guys that were together and wanted to hunt together, and and it worked out really well. And they had a good time. But you know, twos twos are really good number for what we we don't we don't want it to be a a big commercialized. We're pushing a field to get all these birds up. You know, yep. we want it to be. It just seem have more of a just a soft feel. So, so so we'll hunt the, hunt a few hours in the morning, come back, eat lunch, sit around, take a rest, and go back out in the afternoon, hunt a few more hours, dinner in the evening. But our hunts are, I think this is going to be really really cool because everyone that's been out and hunted in any capacity is just overwhelmed by the by, by the natural habitat we have by the beauty of the land you know they just can't get over yeah. the hills the hollows the trees the fence lines you know the water sources we have it's just a beautiful property oh it's gorgeous no and that's yeah. and that's it, just how it lays out for anybody that's listening it's tough to imagine but how it lays out there are these these hollers that go down they're the old old cattle fence rows um Old, I mean, obviously it's called Stonewall for a reason, right? There's these old rock walls that go all the way through it. So when when Joey's talking about hunting in that two to four group, two's ideal because then you can get in one of those holler draws or you can get along one of those fence lines, one guy on each side, let the dog work in the middle, and, and it's awesome. It is just awesome. Yeah. And, and the more we hunt, the more we have figured out the best ways to hunt these different fields and different areas. So that the so that the hunter can get the most out of it, and our our dog handlers are are top notch, and they have they have taken to to the property, and they're just they're they just can't believe how great it is. I had one tell me the other day that this is just a playground for my dog, for my bird dog. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just great. There's so much room for the for the birds to move. Good flying birds, which obviously anybody that's an upland hunter knows the good flying birds are key. That's what you guys got down there and, and great dog work. Um and lots of dogs. You're gonna get them get them cycled in and out. You're gonna get to hunt underneath or over um numerous dogs. So it's always fun for for upland guys to do. And it's also one that if you want to, you can bring your own dog. Absolutely. I'll tell you something that I've learned. You know, I'm a we all know that I'm a whitetail guy, and that's that's what I specialize mm-hmm. in. But I'm learning these trail, and and I'm really enjoying it, and I'm learning a lot. And I and I I told Ryan the other day that I I feel like I learn something new every day. So so what I, one thing that I have learned is the key. We could have the best farm, the best dogs, the best guides, but if we don't have good birds, then then we don't have anything. All we have is a we're touring the fields. Yep. So, so I, th- I think that the, the big key is these birds and I've really been doing some research and studying and talking to our guy that's raising birds for us and trying to come up with some things and things that he's done in the past. And, and we have, he raised some birds this year, completely under roof out of the weather. Mm-hmm. 
And we've been watching those birds. We've watched birds that were raised in his flight pen. And those birds under roof are so much stronger and so much less. Um, they just fly so much better. So we are looking right now. I mean, you've seen all the buildings out there that we have. We have old stock barn that there's been speculation. You know, one day it was like, do we need to tear that down? One day it's like, oh, no, it's history. We need to keep it. Mm -hmm. And I think I've come up with a really cool plan to make some really big indoor flight pins in there and then some smaller holding pins in there and repurpose that building just to keep the history. And I think it's going to be awesome. I've, I've talked to a couple of bird guys about it and they're like, Oh my gosh, that's, that's, that's a flight pin right there. You know, no, no critters are going to be able to get to the birds and stress them out. So, so I think it's going to be really cool once we get that project underway and, and they're able to hold all those birds there. For sure. For sure. And you kind of miss mentioned the history, go over the history of the house. Like it's a remod, it's a remodeled, call it farmhouse, but the house is pre-Civil War. Like that's that's the comment. Anybody that stayed there, those are like the comments you hear about just staying in that house after it's been remodeled and so forth. They're always ones that I take kind of kind of to heart. Leupold offers the best optics in the game, bar none. I personally have their BX4 range finding binos and never go to the field without their Pro Guide spotting scope. I've also got Mark V scopes on all my rifles. And don't forget, they've got some pretty awesome eyewear as well. For more information, visit Leupold.com. WTA Tags is a full-service licensing program available to today's sportsmen. Bottom line, they help hunters draw the very best limited-entry big-game tags. They offer professional consultation on where to apply and then properly complete and submit your applications to the states. Tags has the easiest, most reliable, and most complete service to assist you in drawing that tag of a lifetime. For a free tags consultation, call 1-800-755-8247 or visit them online at WorldwideTrophyAdventures.com slash tags. That's WorldwideTrophyAdventures.com slash T-A-G-S. From my Upland Slam in 2019 to the South America Waterfall Slam in 2022, anytime I'm headed on a wing shooting adventure, I'm picking up my Benelli shotgun. If you want to dominate the skies, shoot a Benelli. See their full line of Benelli shotguns online at BenelliUSA.com or drop into a retailer near you. Yeah, no, it's it's a special, special place. The So the house, like you said, predates the Civil War. And, and the farmers that we bought it from, their family had been there since 1937, I believe. They came in and bought that farm. And I think Josh told me it was a, it didn't exactly lay like it lays now. It was more of a real narrow and went straight back. And his grandparents came there then. And of course, his dad and aunt and uncle and all, you know, they kind of mostly grew up there and farmed that farm since the 30s. So the house, like you say, it's a 1800s house. And we tried to re when we renovated that house, we tried to keep as many of the, the natural old things, but also give it an update. And I feel like we did a really good job at that, you know, keeping some of the natural woodworking, mm -hmm. but, but creating better lighting and, and better windows and, you know, updating some of the things, the flooring, um, but, but the house itself is just really, really cool. And, and it's got that old house feel, you know, anybody that's ever been in an old farmhouse, 
sometimes you struggle to find things that are square. Yep. And, yep. and that's the one thing that, that's one thing that I always chuckle about in this house, you know, it's old and they naturally, there's some corners that aren't square and there might be a little level unlevel spot in the floor. But I, I think things like that, that are what gives it that, the characteristics it keeps to, to just let you know it's that old feel and it's not a new, you know, we could have easily and probably cheaper push that house down and build a nice big metal building, super duper nice lodge, more commercial look to it. But that wasn't what we were going for. We wanted to keep that, that history to that farm. Mm -hmm. And I think we did a really good job at that. I, I think knocked it out of the park. Right, because you, you you could have very easily old houses are are tough to manage and, and remodel and and keep that feel and I feel like it's it's done like the entryway you made it made it good for hunters coming in and out their locker rooms there so you can dump all your stuff leave your dirty boots and everything sitting right there and then then head in um, now as great as the house is I think I hear more more compliments on the food so just explain the food setup um, through the hunt as well. So it's funny. We our our cook that cooks for our deer hunting operation, and anybody that's ever hunted with his nose, Peaches. Peaches is just a good old boy from Kansas that is a hell of a cook. And he's retired now. And he prepares some of the finest meals you ever put in your mouth. And they they range got they kind of have that Tex Mex flair to, mm -hmm. to eating like the cowboys ate, but Peaches is, uh, he runs a tight ship and he keeps our kitchen straight, keeps everything going. And, and, you know, he, he will prepare peaches, white lasagna. Oh, it is oh, so good. So good. Yeah. Yeah. And he'll, he'll always come up with a dish and I'm like, I walk in, I'm like, what are you cooking? And he'll tell me what it is. And I'll have to explain it. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Never heard of it. But, and then, then the hunters just rave about it. I mean, I've never had one single hunter tell me, complain about a meal ever you know it's it's uh it took him a while to to uh to get down i guess he was dealing he's cooked a lot on some ranches mm -hmm. and he cooked for some outfitters out in the west in the mountains and he he really enjoys not having to be in a tent at, at eight or ten thousand feet he told me the other day it's it's much warmer to get to sleep in his warm bed and cook with uh normal stuff instead of a fire and enjoy some tea enjoy some tv before you go to sleep at night too Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. Yeah. No, that's that's great. So anybody that's listening, um, it's I we've got this listed on Worldwide Trophy Adventures website. Um gonna have stuff on Salt River too. If you're looking for more information, you can obviously call Joey and the guys at, at Salt River also or any of the guys at at WTA. Um more than happy to answer any questions that you've got. This is this is exciting. It's gonna continue to get better each and every year. Um, that this one goes on and if you're it's just so centrally located if you're looking for a great three-day hunt or something you can obviously schedule a little bit longer if you want to or a little bit shorter whatever fits your your schedule but great flying birds great dog work awesome accommodations and great food are pretty tough to beat yeah i think i think we're gonna this is just my prediction jason and i were talking the other day but i think this is going to eventually be a bucket list place for people to come yep and that's what that's what we're, we're building on too you know we, we forgot to mention one of the biggest things right the lodges is, is what is it a mile and a half from four roses distillery yeah it's a yeah. it's a 98 percent 98 percent of the world's bourbons made within one hour of our lodge that's right on the bourbon trail 
right? So if you're, yeah, oh, if, yeah, if, we're right there. If you're looking like this is a great one for, I mean, multiple, right? If you're looking for a guy's trip or if you're looking for a family trip, something like that to where you can do a combination. Um, we're more than willing to accommodate and, and work around what you want to do, right? If you want to hunt in the morning for a little bit longer, not do the afternoon hunt, hunt in the morning, then have a lunch and you know what? You're right on the bourbon trail, right? You can go and yeah. go and tour distilleries in the afternoon. Like it's the, it's the perfect, perfect spot for that type of stuff. And I don't even know how I forgot to mention that. Yeah. There's always, always something to do. We had a, we had a day in our last group of hunters where it just was just a downpour mm -hmm. and these birds just don't fly in the rain. And so our hunters were able to go out and tour a couple different distilleries and had a great time. And, and it didn't even dawn on them that they missed a day of hunting. They, they had just as good a time going to those distilleries and visiting than, than they did hunting. So it was, it was, it's a big draw for sure. No, that's awesome. Well, I got to ask before we get before we get off here because I, I feel like we covered Stonewall Plantation again. Anybody looking for more information, head over to Salt River or WTA's website. Give Joey and the team a call. But how's your how's your son doing? He's his first full year into the outfitting business. Um, I know he is. So he's, he's bouncing around. He came home for the holidays. How's how's he doing? He's back in Oklahoma. Okay, and they're getting close to finishing their season up. Their duck season ends, I believe, Sunday. And then they've got some some dark geese they can still kill for a few more weeks. We're not sure what he's going to do after that, but he talks like he's coming back to Oklahoma for for season next year. So I'm, I got plenty of projects at home that I can use him for, and we can always use extra hand around Salt River when he's home. So he uh, he's man, he's living the dream is all I can say. It's crazy. He's he's I've never seen him happier. You know, he, he, he loves what he does and he's chasing these ducks and geese around out in Oklahoma. And that's just what he was built and geared for. Well, listen, if, if I could go back to being in my early twenties and do that, I think I would actually, I know I would. <laughs> yeah. That doesn't, that doesn't I'm, sound I'm like, too, that doesn't sound like too bad a gig. I am envious. We call, we have a call with him every evening. Okay. You know, we'll call just before we go to bed, we'll call him and talk to him. My wife and I do. And every day I've never, I've, you know, I've, I've never seen the kids so happy and so content. So that's awesome. But who wouldn't be, you know, exactly, <laughs> I mean, exactly. Gets to chase cranes out there too earlier in the year. And now, I mean, they put a, they put a hurting yeah. on some ducks and geese. Um, yeah, so is yeah. he, is he going to be turkey hunting at salt river in the, in the spring? He's going to guide. That's my plan. He's going to help us guide turkeys in the spring. Okay. And maybe even help us for the first few group of deer hunters in September. Uh -huh. And then, probably go back to Oklahoma is what I'm assuming his plan is going to be. So that doesn't sound like too bad a year right there. I could, I could probably, no, I could probably get no. my head wrapped around that one. Yeah. Until, until he decided he was going to get married and have some kids, then I'd say that'd be a pretty good plan right yeah. there. Yep. So, I forgot to ask, yeah. did you get down to Arkansas this year? Man, I've, I've, only, I've been so busy. I'm, I made it down Thanksgiving weekend and hunted for three days and it's been horrible there. Oh, it is uh, very little water where we're at. You know, we're over on the on the northeast corner, and the St. Francis River has been really low on water. And the birds, you know, of course, there were probably more birds up at your house in Michigan than there mm -hmm. are down there most of the season. And they're just now starting to get birds. And when the birds did come, everything froze up. So I think the birds probably passed. I look for this week when the thaw comes, some of those birds that come back north, and they will, uh, 
have some good hunts for the last week of the season, I believe. I mean, in talking to everybody down there, this has probably been one of the hardest seasons to hunt in Arkansas because it, it was. You were 100% right. It was so warm up here. We literally didn't have snow until, I think, 12 days ago in Michigan. And we're, we're, it was at mid-January where we really got some snow early to mid-January. I mean, we had – I was loaded up with greenheads here. There was no reason for them to leave. Right. Like our season's yeah. been over for a while now and, and there's no reason for these things to leave. And by the time we finally got this cold spell to push everything down there, then all of a sudden Arkansas basically froze up. So I know it's just been the last couple of days. I'm finally starting to get some reports of, of shooting piles of green heads and, and so forth in yeah, the area. But you, but you gotta be set up on the on the right stuff that didn't freeze or have some fields that you can get in. I think that's what's so different about out in Oklahoma where Garrett is. You know, they they it, it from what I've learned from him, the freeze doesn't hurt them as bad. No, because these ducks just ducks and geese just pour into these ag fields, and you know they hunt Oklahoma a lot like they hunt Canada. They, I mean, they just run around and scout every day. Yep. They have guys leading their hunters. They have guys scouting every day, and they just find the birds. Whereas when we hunt, you know, where I hunt at in Missouri and Arkansas, and where Lost Bridge is, you know, we're we have our properties we hunt, we have our blinds and the birds kind of come to what we have Mm -hmm. where the style they have is they go looking for birds because they have a vast area out here that doesn't have near the amount of hunters we have, you know, in our area. It's not nearly as contested. Well, I don't like, and and I, I, I managed to make it out to Oklahoma and hunt with Garrett for a few days. And it was a, it was a pretty cool experience. It was just different than what I had, had been used to. Yep. Yep. And it's just, I know the times I've hunted up um, Goose Haven and Saskatchewan, right? There's just, it's so tough to compare when you get in the vast areas up there that you can drive and scout and you may hunt 50 miles (laughs) north one day and 35 miles east the next day. But you've you've gone to where the birds are and then you think here in the U.S., you can't do that. That's not even realistic, right? Because you're you're, so much private property and bouncing into people and the work that it takes to get there. It's just impossible. Yeah. Well, yeah, they each they're each their two different styles of hunting. You know. Yep. I I, kinda, I like them both, but yep. But I, I really like my style over there in Arkansas. You know, it's to me, it's even when I'm not killing ducks, I'm it's the camaraderie for me that you know I can sit in the duck blind with guys and you know we can cook a breakfast or whatever. Exactly. We still have good time. Yep. There's no yeah. no pressure on on those types of ones. Well, I know it's fun. It's Absolutely. fun for me following. I mean, it's always fun following people, you know, but it's fun following your son around knowing he's doing what he loves. So it's always wish I could go back and be in my early twenties. Yeah. I told my wife, I said, I, I wish I would have been doing that when I was 20 years old. So. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I was just happy yeah. that he, he, and it's tough, right? Like he was, he was going to college, but he really didn't want to. And he decided, you know what, this is what I want to do, and I'm going to go do it. And he's being successful at yeah. it, which is great to see. Oh yeah, he's he's pretty he's pretty adamant about it too. So I'm I'm pretty happy for him. So. Well, perfect. Well, thanks, Joey, today covering uh, Stonewall Plantation, kind of year end recap over at Salt River again. Anybody that's listening, if you're looking for more information or want to book a heck of a quail trip, give Joey and the team a call, or or give the team at WTA a call. Thanks for all your support and downloads. If you like this episode, please go and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts as that always helps. Do you want to book that hunt of a lifetime? Then give the team at Worldwide Trophy Adventures a call at 1-800-346-8747. Or if you want to start a tags portfolio for those limited entry tags, call 1-800-755-8247. Enjoy your journey.